Major support for Carolina Business Review is provided by Grant Thornton. Operating in more than 100 countries, our tax audit and advisory professionals specialize in helping companies unlock their growth potential. Novant Health, bringing you world-class technology, clinicians, and care when and where you need it. And Sunoco, a global manufacturer of consumer and industrial packaging products and provider of packaging services with more than 300 operations in 35 countries. What may be most interesting about this economy is it is one of the longest expansions in domestic contemporary history, to be exact, 105 months. That's eight years and counting. In general, our businesses and the subsequent enlarged fortunes of our community and our household net worth has never been this rich. It would not be hyperbole to say that our country and the Carolinas, this is a high water mark. So then, why do we seem so at odds with each other, so unhappy, displeased with each other's politics? Just this past year, there was the threat of war, record hurricanes, epic floods, gun violence. And of course, the long simmering, deeply rooted issue of sexual harassment breaks out into the open. Welcome back. Thanks so much for supporting the most widely watched source of Carolina business and public policy. On this special CBR, we won't talk so much about business or policy as much as we look at how we might think differently about 2018. What would it mean and what would it take to reset ourselves? to approach relationships and dealings with a kinder point of view. How can we move from being oppositional all the time to what the first few lines of the title song of Beauty and the Beast say, barely even friends, then somebody bends unexpectedly. Our dialogue about resetting in 2018 starts now. Gratefully acknowledging support by Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina. Please visit us at SouthCarolinaBlues.com. The Duke Endowment, a private foundation enriching communities in the Carolinas through higher education, health care, rural churches, and children's services. Bearings, a leading global asset management firm dedicated to meeting the evolving investment and capital needs of its clients. Learn more at Bearings.com. On this edition of Carolina Business Review, resetting for 2018 with panelists Kane Hip of Liberty Fellowship, Russell H. Greenfield, MD, Integrative Health Specialist, Sharon Decker from the Tryon International Equestrian Center, and Ophelia Garman-Brown, former co-chair of the Charlotte-Mecklenburg Opportunity Task Force. Hello, welcome to our program. Uh, happy holidays, happy new year. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. Happy new year Thank to you. you. Ophelia, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you this question first. You know, we, so as we talked about at the beginning of the program, we're, we're not more rich than we've ever been right now. And of course it's in general, there are folks that aren't feeling that, but in general, the economy's good. Um, the, the Carolinas have just posted unbelievable in-migration and growth. We are more connected electronically through all types of services. Why do we seem so unhappy? Why do we seem so at odds with each other? You know, Chris, I would say we have to define what connected means. What does being connected mean? Um, because we are more connected because of social media and all the electronics we have. But as humans, connection that's really meaningful for us is relationships. And so those other things cause us, I think, not to have to be in relationship uh, in proximity with each other, which really does make a difference. And it causes us to help to trust each other. There's not a whole lot of trust when you're just 
dealing with one another electronically. Mm -hmm. Trust comes from when I can touch you and we can really um, have some ups and downs together. Um, so I really would question what we are so connected really means because I don't know that we are truly connected. Okay, so as Ophelia defines connected, Sharon, uh, Reverend, Reverend, <laughs> um, this idea of being connected, but I come back to the original question, Sharon, why, why are we so uncomfortable with our relationship between all of, you know, this country seems displeased with each other. Yeah, I think we live in a culture that tells us that whatever it is we have, it's not enough. If we're tall, we're not tall enough. If we're thin, we're not thin enough. If we're smart, we're not smart enough. If we make X, we should make Y. I mean, just think about what we hear from the media, what we hear about kind of what we assume through what we see on Facebook and social media. So I think we live in a culture that, that puts us in that space that if we choose to participate in it, that says, keep pushing, keep pushing. It's not enough yeah. and you're not enough. And what I hope we have to come to understand as individuals and teach our children is that what it is we have and our gifting is enough the power of connecting and the power of finding peace and contentment in this life is understanding what it is we do have and making the most of that. So it's a reframe from what I think culturally we're hearing on a daily basis, and that's a, that's a challenge. So, Hayne, are we, are, are we not good at what these two ladies just defined? Are we losing that battle? Well, what I'm hearing is that people all across the country, in the Carolinas, are interested in uh, a civil dialogue about where we are, where we're going, how we're going to get there. But the filters of civility seem to have broken down. And we've moved to almost tribalism where it is a I, it is a me. Mm -hmm. And an I and a me can't build a community, can't build a family, can't build a company, certainly can't build a state, and can't build a country. A we can do that. And we've moved away from the we. We've moved into tribes, we've moved into I, we've moved into me, and we're excluding everybody who isn't I or me. And that's a very dangerous situation to be in. How does this wash over you, Russ? Well, I, I, you know, just to jump in, you know, as Ophelia was saying, you know, we've never been more connected and all, and just to build on what you have been saying, at the same time we're more connected <clears throat> than ever, we've never been more isolated. Mm -hmm. And the challenge with isolation is we just become the I. You know, we just become the me. And I, you know, smarter people than me have said that they've rarely come in contact with people who are depressed, anxious, upset, who have a true sense of purpose and meaning. Mm -hmm. When we are isolated, we define ourselves as separate, as apart, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. we have a big challenge putting our arms around something that says we are part of something greater and we might contribute. From a business perspective, some of the most forward-thinking businesses that I've had the opportunity to witness their leadership is they try and create an environment where each and every individual, regardless of their job description, has a sense that they are contributing towards the greater good, not only of the people that they work around, but those that the company is serving. Well, you, I mean, I hear this is great theory. It, it is. It's good theory and it's good debate and it's good from the pulpit. But, I mean, how does this get applied to the situation that we have in front of us politically? the sexual harassment issue, the war between the races, or at least the racial tension that we have. I mean, how do we, those are individual problems, but I'm hearing something on a DNA level that you're referring to. So how do we understand what that is on a molecular level and deal with that first? Uh, let me come back and, and pick up on something Russ said about corporations and companies. Cause the U.S. was basically founded on capitalism. And capitalism is a very efficient cleansing machine. 
it is a great equalizer. But in the last two decades, capitalism has begun to disappear as industry and businesses have consolidated. And once you get that concentration of power, once you get out oligopolies, then you can price uncompetitively. You can price out of pure greed. You don't have to respond to the local situation. You can isolate yourself from that. And I think that, that the consolidation of power in the business world and the consolidation of power of wealth is really holding this country back because it's not spread out where everyone has an equal opportunity. Mm -hmm. Equal opportunities today are not what they were 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And that's, that's a very stifling and a very scary situation. When you're talking about being isolated, if, if you don't have access to the local loan because there's not a local mm -hmm. bank, or you can't get your business started because there is a oligopoly that's already pushed you out, that's a very discouraging situation to be in. And it's something that we've got to address and begin to, to give more, more access to capital, more access to jobs. Um, we've got to move back to true capitalism where there is more local local than what we have now. Yeah. You agree with that? And what you describe is community. You know, it is, it is community, yeah. and that there's been a tremendous shift. I often think about growing up in the eastern part of Gaston County, and the, you know, the community had churches, the community had groceries, the community had doctors, the community had schools, uh, manufacturing facilities, and that community worked together for the good of all. And it was a, there was a shared passion around ensuring the health of the entire community yeah. and opportunity for everyone that was there. And when needs needed to be met, we reached out together. And think about how many places we live now where we don't know who our neighbors are mm -hmm. even when we live in houses next door to next door as we were talking about hanging earlier the you know smaller tighter communities and yet the relationships aren't there I think encouraging thing that I see is this young generation is choosing to live in inner cities again where they are connected more to people they're not uh, choosing to be so isolated because I think what they're searching for is a community and I think in my generation we got away from that and I'm encouraged by that shift that I see so that they connect in fellowship and so when, when I hear isolation and I hear community and, and then the, the monopoly in terms of that, I see it and, and have seen it in particular in the work that I was fortunate enough to be a part of with the Opportunity Task Force because we are so segregated in, in our community. Mm -hmm, right. And the segregation and the, and the isolation in the community has been one that has really caused us to be segregated by race. Yeah. And when you segregate us by race, you segregate us by economy. And then when you do that, you segregate us by good schools or bad schools. Mm -hmm. And so it really becomes a, an unfortunate trickle-down effect of this isolation, this monopoly, this community. Mm -hmm. And yeah. we've created it in our, in our Charlotte-Mecklenburg and in our North Carolina, but I can speak more to Charlotte-Mecklenburg in a way that unless we can really do what you've made mention of in terms of us really saying, we've got to change the housing patterns that were intentional, by the way, yes. in terms of all right. of this segregation. We've got to be courageous enough to, be, to make the changes but that have to happen. You're not going to be able to do that until you begin to focus on breaking down the differences, breaking down the silos. Let's just call it mm -hmm. breaking down the silos of arrogance that keep us separated mm -hmm. until we can begin to have a civil conversation among everybody to focus in on the just society, what's fair. 
looking after our self-interest. Mm -hmm. But still, you got to break down. You got to have that dialogue. You, that silos of arrogance are a killer. Well, you know, hey, yeah. one of the challenges. You know, I'm a luddite in this regard, and I don't really participate in social media. But when I speak to my friends and my kids and my wife who are on it, it's the kind of thing where I, I can just watch their angst go up. Uh, but in, in regards to what? Well, it's just as you were saying. You know, you can have a a, a major pulpit of uh, of one and yet have a major impact on all these people who may be following your website or whatever, and it just causes a lot of imbalance. In my field, we, we define health as balance. Mm -hmm. And all these, I guess, emotions that are out there on social media that can be very harmful many times. And there's, you know, we talk about filters and all, you know, our little kids have way better filters <laughs> than the kinds of things that are going on in social media. Yeah. And it separates us, it creates inequalities uh, based in misunderstanding. And I honestly think that one of the best things that we could do is that we could take a break from some of those opportunities to participate in social media where we might simply be face to face with one another, mm -hmm. actually in an appropriate fashion, mm -hmm. reach out and touch one another mm -hmm. and check in with one another. How are you? Mm -hmm. What's really happening? How do you foster that? Well, I think folks like Ophelia <laughs> take the lead, to be honest with you, in this community. Indeed. Well, you know, when I, I, I brought this quote, I wrote it, Chris, because I didn't want to misquote you won't it. Forget it. Um, but Brian Stevenson said, to change the world, we must be proximate, <laughs> just as we are right now. We must change the narrative, as you have said. We must remain hopeful. <coughs> we must have the courage to do the uncomfortable, uncomfortable things. I think that one of the gifts that I've been given, um, and you, you make mention of do what Ophelia in terms of my comfort and even touching Chris as much as I've already done, is it's, it's my gift. Um, Sharon has it as well. It's a gift. And I would say that we all have it though. It's how comfortable we are in terms of living into it. Because we all, um, I think that, again, I go back as humans, as, as the species of who we are, um, to be able to be in relationship with each other is exactly what nurtures us and what helps us to be in balance. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, and, and, and I want to be careful about okay. going down a rabbit hole on this, but it is worth asking, Ophelia, as you bring up the idea of not being afraid to touch each other. By the way, I like it when you do that. that mm -hmm. That's not mm -hmm. uncomfortable for me. But given what we have now is the dialogue around sexual harassment, will that kind of dialogue cause a chilling <coughs> effect even further on folks to be afraid of sharing how they feel, not necessarily sexual, but just in general? Oh, I think so. I, I, I have a friend, my best friend is a nurse, she's a home health nurse, and she shares with me now that uh, she says, honey, baby, sweetie, sweetie, all those things, yeah. sweetie, yeah. all yeah. the time, you know, they're her patients. And she says now, should I not say sweetie? Should I, you know, so it, we, I think that there has to be, we, we can take it to the extreme. And we tend to do that on almost everything we do when we, when we do it on a broad um, base. And you know, on the flip side of that, is, uh, my daughter's 23 and she is feeling empowered by all of this. She mm -hmm. is feeling suddenly part galvanized that there is a respect and an understanding that maybe we will get closer to equality in some way, shape, or form. And so there may be an upside to all of this that, I mean, there's, there's the obvious upside, mm -hmm. but beyond that, um, there may be a significant shift that could be really beneficial. Hane, I, I cut you off and I want to give you a chance, but I, I look at you, Hane, as a former 
as a recovering CEO of a, of a major media <coughs> company, and then now your new, new life's work has been around uh, Liberty Fellowship, and Sharon, a, a female CEO of a corporation, and I look at you both and say, tactically, we're talking about temporal things that we can change. Mm -hmm. I, I, got, I got that part about the proximity and about living and about changing neighborhoods. But why are we so afraid, even in this conversation, to bring up what a, the spiritual aspect of what this dialogue means and how the spirituality, whether we're Muslim, whether we're Jewish, whether we're Christian, whether we're fill in the blank, why are we afraid to go there? Because to me, that seems like if we don't get that part mm -hmm. right, then the temporal tactical part will never fall into place. Yeah. <clears throat> well, it's choking me up to think about it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I, I know that's a cool. You know, you know it really. is. And, um, it, you know, Chris, I think you've hit right at the heart of where our real challenge is today, culturally, is that we are fearful of talking about the spiritual. And without the spiritual, we're not whole. And I think that's part of what creates the discontent. That's part of what creates the angst that we feel in our culture. And until we're willing to be open about that, whatever the religious beliefs are, for me is not so important is that we understand the spiritual nature of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And um, I think you've hit at the crux of what I believe is create, what creates the separation. And, and let's just, I don't want to be redundant, <coughs> but let's come back to uh, tribalism. That's exactly right. Instead of using right. Jewish, Muslim, Baptist, Christian, whatever you want to do, mm -hmm. that is, that's a sophisticated form of tribalism. Mm -hmm. I, I think what we have to do is we, we five, and those who are watching this program, we should commit to working on building a mosaic, a mosaic centered on a diversity of perspectives, a wide range of thought, and then in that mosaic have the dialogue, whether we're talking about religions or whether we're talking about race or whether we're talking about gender. But unless we, unless we break down those barriers, those silos, we're not going to have any progress, yeah. uh, and that is we can do that. Yeah. I am abs I'm, yeah. I'm seeing it happen in South Carolina among the Liberty Fellows. The dialogue is there. We have to create that scene, that atmosphere, that opportunity to do that. Don't you? Isn't that a, isn't that a place to create? That's a safe place for somebody to show their true colors. Absolutely, a safe place is exactly what we would call a red light conversation. Where can you have those red light conversations without all of the uh, social media? Uh, stuff that you're talking about, Russ, come in and attack from all sides. So what does it look like? How do we build a mosaic? Yeah. I mean, what, is it, what does that structure look like? Well, if I might offer, I've been in meetings where business leaders are actually saying, this is one of the things we have to work in inside our corporations. Why is it yeah. that you can practice spirituality outside the workplace, but you never touch upon it in the workplace? And it gets back to that discussion about purpose and meaning. How does each one of us contribute to something that is beyond our desk job or whatever. What are we doing? How do we actually engender that sense that you are more as part of a whole than just your individual self? And I honestly believe that companies, business needs to step up and engender this kind of sense that we're talking about, about bringing the spirit back into the work that has always been present in the community. Sharon, yes. hi. Again, I come back to your, your history as a CEO, but <clears throat> also as an ordained clergy. And I'd love to hear your point on this. I know you're not going to hold back. I, I want you to do this. So how at the top of a house in a corporation, whether when you were at Duke Energy or Doncaster, wherever you were, how do you do that? And how do you, how do you enable a spiritual dialogue or feeling without compelling anyone, your beliefs, or how, how to make them not feel comfortable, but safe enough to bring that to the fore? Well, one is approaching each person with that they, they each have true value. 
You know, I think sometimes we come to relationships where we come thinking that person has no value simply because they think differently than I do or believe differently than I do. And I think just coming to the place, and I think deeply spiritual people do this, to recognize that every human being on this earth has purpose and value. And their purpose and value is different from, from mine. And to honor that and respect that, so when whatever it is we bring to the table comes and is placed before them in that way, it will be received. I think when we bring our thoughts and beliefs uh, to the corporate setting, um, saying that this is the right way, <laughs> I think we, we, we have people to turn away from us. I think that's where conflict comes in. I think, I think the second piece of that, Chris, is to allow our faith, our beliefs, our spirituality to inform what we do and how we live. Um, for me, that's the most powerful message we can say with our lives and in this journey, is that what we believe is how we treat others. Um, how we relate to each mm -hmm. other, how we connect, how we touch, um, how we feel and how we respond and how we lead. And so um, that's my prayer each day. You know, may, mm -hmm. may, may what I believe spiritually inform what I do and how I treat other people. So how, how do we make the Sabbath every day, if that's the well, case? Well, you know, one of the things that I try to do is really leave from this place of respect. You know, if I respect or you know, focusing on respecting you. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I, I, I'm very intentional about is trying to appreciate the God in you, mm -hmm. the spirit in you. Because if I look for, if, if whatever I'm looking for, I find, right? But if I look for the God in you, even if you are somebody that I, I'm not buddies with and wouldn't want to be buddies with, there is something inside of you, though, because you were created. I mean, I believe that we all have been created to be something special, to do something special, that God, and whatever you call that God for yourself, right. we've been created to do and be something quite special. And I, that's what I try to look for. And, and everybody that I come in contact with, even people that really just get on my last nerve, <laughs> I still try to find that's that good. in them that I know is there. It is always there. It is always there. Wait, see, hey. I was going to say, how do you do that on a secular basis? That's what mm -hmm. we need to focus on. Um, and, and I like the idea and agree with you on the terms of respect. Everybody has a value. Yep. There's respect in everybody. And that's what we, whether you want to, whether you want to cloak it in God or whether you want to cloak mm -hmm. it in secularism, excuse me. Um, that's where we need to be moving forward. Right. Whereas how do you how do you bring out the value? How do you create the stage so that the strength that each person brings to the table has the has the chance, the opportunity to flourish? You know, you and know. I would say, and also building on that, one of the things I think that helps a lot when you see the the spirit in each person, you see that you know, we have, um, for the most part, our values are shared. Most Absolutely. of those values are shared. We have yeah. different paths to get to the destination, perhaps, but if we start from that foundation, we have much more in common than it separates us. Mm -hmm. yeah. So true. Mm -hmm. Were you going to say something? Like that? Yeah. Well, yeah. well, I want to. So the Institute for Global Ethics ran a, a study back in '03 and uh, did uh, the survey was across the globe, 53 different countries, all demographics, and the values. To your point, Russ, uh, honesty, respect, responsibility, fairness, and compassion. Those five. Yeah everyone shared and everyone shared the the one that everyone shared far and above the other four was compassion mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. that sounds like more connection to a spiritual being than it is a temporal being so hey and i want to come back to this though as a ceo of a former ceo of a company how do you 
How do you not afraid to talk about God or spirit or show that side of you that emboldens those that you work with to do? Well, first I think if you have to think about it, then you got a problem. Yeah. It's just part of the human nature yeah. to, to have discussions on a wide ranging basis. Um, we all know that holding on to the status quo isn't going to get us there. So we just need to move on. I, I don't think that any of us sit here and think about um, how do I bring up the issue of God and how do I end up bring up the issue of spiritualism or any of these other um, issues that we've been talking about. We just need to create that atmosphere right. that says let's have discussions, whether it's how many widgets we're going to sell or who we're going to help out or where we're going to give the profits or where God fits into our life or how we're going to build the house, the, the, the human house of civility. Right. Just create the atmosphere that lets you have those discussions. I agree with you wholeheartedly because when you start, when you are concerned about it so much, really I think that concern comes from the fact that you're trying to get the outcome you want. But when you respect a person and you respect all religions, mm -hmm. yeah. You, yeah. You, you can really get to a place where th you clearly that's not what you may be yeah. ascribing to, but if you respect it, then you're not trying to change an outcome. I'm, I'm, you know, I wish we had more. Guys, we have 20 seconds left. Okay. That was a half an hour. That's how quickly. Uh, part two next year, please come back exactly the same time, same channel. Okay. Uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for again. giving us opportunity. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Good to see you. Good to see you. Happy touching, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good to see you, Sharon. Yeah. Russ, I'm glad you're here. But Thank you, you shouldn't have much. to think about touching. That's right. <laughs> On that note, good night. Okay. Happy holiday. Major funding for Carolina Business Review was provided by the Duke Endowment, Bearings, Grant Thornton, Novant Health, Sunoco, Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Promotional consideration provided by Business North Carolina Magazine. For more information, visit carolinabusinessreview.org.